If you could save an innocent life or protect it, would you do it? 26 senators in the South Carolina Senate yesterday decided, nah, we'll wait a little while longer and we'll figure some other things out. We'll talk about that, plus the federal lens on the abortion issue today on the podcast. Welcome into the fastest growing conservative podcast in the state of South Carolina, the Palmetto Family Matters podcast, A Dressed Down. Justin Hall here with you alongside A Dressed Up, Dave Wilson. So glad you're joining us today. Hopefully your attire looks more comfortable like my my own, unlike the tie. Dave, I didn't get the memo, but that's okay. The South Carolina Senate, Dave, well, didn't get the memo yesterday the South either. Ca- the South Carolina Supreme Court is in session. And they are. At the time of this recording... They're actually hearing right now the case that is before them on the constitutionality of the heartbeat law. Some of us need to swing by there at some point just to step in there. I do not. So that's why that's why I'm in a in a very You do look rather I you feel look very Carolina comfortable. This is this is it was cold this morning. It I stepped out at thirty six degrees in your capital city this morning. Yeah. Before the sun rose. Yeah, if not, for the do- if not for the dog needing to go out, I wouldn't have been out. <laughs> um, now, to, to that point, not to that point, that was a terrible segue. Yesterday, Tuesday, October 18th, in the year of our Lord, 2022, the South Carolina Senate met again to vote on how they would approach the House non-concurring with the Senate amendments to H5399. A lot of language there. Break it down for you. A vote to recede on the Senate amendment would lead to then a vote on the bill, as is it from the House, up or down. Right. Done. Because the bill, as it started, and we talked about this in a previous podcast, the bill started in the House. They did their version. They sent it over to the Senate. The Senate did, looked at it, made major changes to it, and said, we want to go with this. To where it looked nothing like the House bill. Right. So they sent it back over. Of course, that's the, I'm just a bill. This is like, I'm just a bill, but we're actually doing it. Throws it back over to the House. The House says, eh, nah, we want our version of it. They send it back. Senate goes, eh, nah, we want our version of it. So now, in this ping pong of politics that goes back and forth, we're now at the news stage. Now, Schoolhouse Rock didn't go this far. No, it didn't. Talking about... I'm just a conference committee. I'm just a conference committee. I'm only a conference committee, and I'm driving people <laughs> nuts. But, so where we stand now, and, and you know, there's the House version of the bill, and there's the Senate version of the bill. He's done a great job of going through and breaking it down for us so that we can share it with you. With one minor with one minor correction that needs to be made that we discovered with before, about 30 seconds before we started recording. But one of the things that we want you to understand is the next part of the process in the way this conference committee is going to come together. So you've got three members from the House. Yes. And you've got three members from the Senate. The three members from the House are Representative John McCravey, Representative Tommy Pope, Representative Spencer Wetmore. From the Senate, it is Senate Majority Leader, Senator Shane Massey, Senator from Anderson, Senator Richard Cash, and the Senator from Colleton, Colleton County. Thank you. I knew it was right with the C. Senator Margie Bright Matthews. Those are your six. So their responsibility is to now 
take the House version of the bill, the Senate version of the bill, and work through what parts of each bill they want to keep. So they can't add anything new. All they can do is say, we'll take the whole deck, we're going to pile them all together and decide, okay, which of these things are we going to keep? Which version are we going to keep? Are we going to keep the House version? Are we going to keep the Senate version um, for the places where the language and the concepts are the same? So Justin has done a great job of breaking this down because we want you to understand what can be in the final version of the bill. It's not that it will be, but it can be. And there are places where the House and Senate are in agreement on certain things. And there are some places where, when you look at it, the House has some really good language. But the Senate did make some additions and some changes on their side of this, Justin, that I think brings about some maybe some good important things that maybe should be added into a final version of the bill. D but despite what you might be hearing from the rest of the mainstream media, including conservative media, this bill is not dead yet. This is a place where the process is working its way out. I love a great breakfast. I love grits, eggs, sausage, the whole spread. Put it all together, too, in a bowl. Yeah, I mean, it's really good that way. I'm just, that, okay, I'm getting hungry That's now. how it should be. But you don't necessarily want to always see how your sausage gets made. This is a very spicy sausage with a lot of ingredients, and it's taking a while for this whole thing to come together. And that's where we are in this process. It's not dead, it's not over, but the clock is ticking because all of this has to be done by November 13th at midnight. That's what's considered sine die, which is the Latin term, which means, two. which means we're, we're at the end. And so when we've re now reached the we end, back. so, what is between here and there? Ooh, 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 me. Yes. Election day. Election day. November 8th is going to be coming up, which is five days before signing dies. So the question is one of, will the conference committee meet and work on this before or after the election? Or will they meet at all? Those are the three questions we've got. Well, then. Now, here's a quick question, and I'm throwing this at you without asking you beforehand. I love when you throw just of these course. curveballs at me. When the conference committee pass should, right. if, when, use whatever term, the conference committee comes together and takes this, this cavalcade of topics right. that are in each bill and puts together a bill, and it passes out of conference committee, that bill then needs to pass both, house, both chambers again? Right. It goes back to both chambers. Is it subject to the filibuster in the Senate? There's a question, and this goes down to the rules in the Senate. Some people say, yes, it is. But I have had conversations with some senators that say, if we've reached a compromise that's a quote-unquote reasonable compromise... No need to filibuster. There won't be a need to filibuster because we'll have the votes to go behind it. Okay. And if you take a look... So let's just break it down at the six people who were on the committee. Representative John McCravey of Greenwood, the author of the law, author of the bill, 5399. Yes. He has got his viewpoint very strong on this issue, very much going to be saying, hey, listen, I'm going to fight for everything I've got. He's a master negotiator, and, and he plays that well. You've got, along with him, on the Republican side in the House, Speaker Pro Tem 
Tommy Pope out of York County. And he was really at the dais for much of the medical marijuana debate in right. the House and sort of presided over that and took... So there's a lot of knowledge and understanding of right. the law. Tommy Pope, very, very uh, accomplished prosecutor, uh, went to the legislature and has now done a great job. He is the number, basically the number two guy in the House. So that's a pretty big step of leadership stepping in. So you've got the bill author and leadership on this committee, as well as a very liberal mm-hmm. uh, representative in Spencer Wetmore. But she was on the ad hoc committee. She was also on the ad hoc so committee. So she's been at this from the, from the start. She has heard everything. Yes. She is going to be at the table as well. On the Senate side, you've got Senator Shane Massey. He is the chairman of the Republican caucus. That puts him as the, the guy who is kind of like over the majority in the Senate. He's got 31 members in the caucus. Sorry, 30 members in the caucus. He wishes he had 31. Um, They then have the response. He's got that leadership responsibility. So he and Tommy Pope kind of go, kind of a matchup there. And then you've got Richard Cash, who has been the stalwart on the the personhood, pro-life, let's fight against abortion front, that's really his shtick. That's since the, he came that's into the since, Senate. Since, since before, before he, he came, came in, in the Senate. Senate. Yep. And so he is a natural person to also have on there. So you've kind of got a balance of two. You've got people who this is their core issue and people in leadership. And then Margie Bright Matthews and Spencer Wetmore are going to be naysayers to this because they don't want to see this happening. And and to to this point of Wetmore being on the ad hoc committee, Senator Margie Bright Matthews, also a member of the Senate Medical Affairs Committee. So when that got right. when H fifty three ninety nine got brought over, she was very vocal in her questioning and, and the conversation during the committee meeting as right. well. And so these are people who have been on this issue. They're in the leadership of the organ of the two chambers. What they bring back is most likely going to be a balance that can be struck across both chambers. So that when both chambers then come back, the House will vote on it, then the Senate will vote on it. If they concur, if they all agree to the conference committee, then it will then immediately move down to the governor's desk for his signature. To the point that the governor did speak with, I believe, our friend uh, Joe Bustos. Right, with the state newspaper, with the state out, newspaper of Columbia. out of Columbia, where where he said, you know, this is this is going to turn into a longer process. This is it's going to take some time. And I think, if, if I can decipher what he means is, when you deal with a conference committee, you deal with six legislators who view things differently from one another, and, and you're, you're, you're confined to these issues, you're confined to these, um, it, it could take some time and some maneuvering and some right. elbow grease, so to speak, to get this done. I just want to mention a few things here before we go to the federal lens that we're viewing this all from, because this, again, started at the federal level with the overturning of Dobbs. Uh, the House version prote- offers protection from conception. The Senate version does that after six weeks, a la heartbeat. So that's where those two are going to be. That is the biggest sticking point that exists really between the two chambers, is at what point does all of this begin? Then you have both Both of them have exceptions for rape and incest. Not, not a shock there. Uh, the Senate version has an exception for fatal fetal anomaly, a fetal anomaly that is not conducive to sustaining life during pregnancy or after birth. 
the, the, the there was a report mechanism for rape cases in both right. the House and the Senate bill. However, in the Senate version, there is a, a, a DNA sample issue that Senator Margie Wright Matthews had took took great umbrage with, and and there was it was a point of contention in the Senate debate, if you remember it. So there is a there is a DNA sample provision there that that might take some maneuvering. The House version defines women's health when it talks about life of the mother. It lists the conditions, the illnesses, the um, however you want to put the it. The instances that could happen. The instances that could lead to and it and it is said it is not an exhaustive list. No, and 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 just we talked about this in a previous podcast, but we want to go over these. Because it's really important to understand this. It comes from Section 4441830. Um, this is a section in the Code of Law. You can actually go to sestatehouse.gov. You can click on Code of Law. You can go to Section 44, Chapter 44, Section 140 or 41, and and read what's currently there. But it's it adds in here. It's not a violation of this section for a licensed physician to perform a medical procedure necessary in reasonable medical judgment to prevent the death of a pregnant woman, the substantial risk of death for the pregnant woman because of a physical condition, or the substantial physical impairment of a major bodily function of the pregnant woman, not including psychological or emotional conditions. And then goes through and begins to list certain things out, including things like Medical procedure may not be considered necessary if it's based on a claim of uh, of psychological or emotional conditions. But it does go in here to start talking about very specific things like molar pregnancy, partial molar pregnancy, blighted ovum, ectopic pregnancy, severe preeclampsia, wait, help wait, syndrome. Wait, 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 wait. Ectopic pregnancy is listed? It actually is listed on here. See, I was told from the Senate floor that ectopic pregnancy is I'm sorry that, that a senator could not go back through and actually read that it is included right here. It is on page 9 of the bill itself. Oh, excellent. If you like, I can actually pull out my highlighter real quick, and I can highlight for you just so that you can see it. Ectopic pregnancy, right there on page nine of the bill. Severe preeclampsia, help syndrome, abruptio placentae, which basically means the placenta has erupted. So if you understand that part of the biology of having children, the baby sits in the, uh, in, in the, with the placenta. If something happens to the placenta, the baby cannot survive. The woman could end up bleeding out. That's a, a thing to be taking into account. Severe physical maternal trauma, uterine rupture, intrauterine fetal demise, which is a child who has died in utero, and miscarriage. So those are listed out on there and spells out very clearly what is and is not included under the issues of life of the mother. There's a big distinction. It's interesting because there's a big distinction, Justin, between what's considered women's health mm -hmm. and life of the mother. Because women's health actually carries over a, a broader term that uh, subsequent, the Doe case uh, in, in the Supreme Court in, in spelled out some specific things about women's health. So when we talk about this, you're going to hear the phrase life of the mother, the protection of the life of the mother, because these are issues that could affect her life and her ability to remain alive. 
What's interesting there, by the way, if you didn't catch that, when he pulled the highlighter out, he kind of reminded me of Hannibal from the A-Team. And I love we'll it see. when the plan comes together. We'll see if the plan comes together. Yeah, there we go. Uh, there is a mechanism to continue the heartbeat law. There, it's not even a severability clause in the House version. It is actually a little bit different for what it's worth. Uh, but let's jump back up here. Uh, the House version identifies IVF in vitro fertilization practices. And protects as, those. And protects those. The Senate doesn't explicitly uh, mention those. Both charge physicians. Neither of them charge women. Neither version charges women. That's an important thing to keep in mind because there is a there is a call among some to call for the criminalization of women. This bill does not do that. This bill does put on charges against a physician who knowingly breaks the law yep. in providing an abortion outside of the scope of what's provided in the law. That's a natural deterrent from abortions taking place. Let's see here. Uh, there are a couple things in the House version. Father absorbing many a cost dealing with the mother's health and, and different pregnancy issues. Um, and the mother can claim the unborn child as a dependent on her taxes if the child, uh, the post-fertilization age is at least six weeks during the year of which you filed the income tax return. So mathematically, this is a place where some budget writers are having a bit of an issue on this front because there are 57,000 children roughly that are born in South Carolina every year. So you multiply that times a $3,000 per child tax credit, which is, you know, that's, that's, a, whole, that's, a, that's a significant that's tax, credit. It's a tax credit. That is a $171 million tax credit that would then be able to be claimed. Budget writers are saying that's $171 million is a lot. And, and they're calling into question, what is that cost offsetting during pregnancy. So there, that is up for question. And, and for many people, it is things like access to care. It is transportation for care. When you, if you are pregnant, you've got to go to appointments at least on a monthly basis. Then you're going every two weeks, and then you're going every single week until the, the child is born. There are costs that are associated with transportation. There are costs that are associated if you have another child, having child care for your child, and things along those lines, mm -hmm. which is why that part of it was written into the law. The Senate did not include that in their version of it. So that that is a place of possibility of it being included could be taken out of the bill. And finally, just a few, a few things here for you. Uh, the Senate version does apply a definition of rape at the end of their bill. Right. Um, because the, currently, rape is not defined in certain sections of code. And there's we're getting to the point right now, folks, and just to help you understand, there are definitions for criminal sexual conduct. Yes. There are three degrees of criminal sexual conduct. And those are spelled out in the law, and and it goes to varying how the circumstances behind them, uh, how things take place, and so just like there are various degrees of murder, there are various degrees of sexual assault. Mm -hmm. The Senate version basically said, rape as a definition. Again, the reason that you have to do this is so that the term rape is defined within law. 
And there's never really been a place where we've added the term and defined the term of what rape is. The reason that's important is, is you take a look at this in light of the Supreme Court having a case they're hearing today about the interpretation of law into the heartbeat law, whether it is constitutional or not. Yeah. Now, if you'd use the term rape, but you don't define what rape is, then the court has to then make a determination judgment based off of what those five members yes. of the Supreme Court say. Yes. Whereas if you go in and actually say rape is considered any one or all of the instances of criminal sexual conduct of the first, second, or third degree, you have clearly defined the legislative intent that the members of the General Assembly have said, when we say rape, we mean this. And so that way, when it gets challenged in court, if it gets challenged in court, people can then go back and say, well, they said it means this. Therefore, in South Carolina, rape means criminal sexual conduct of the first, second, or third degree. The Senate version also repealed the idea of state health plans funding abortion. Again, I'm sorry, abortion needs. I, I avoided saying abortion care. Um, and it also took out any state funding of Planned Parenthood from the state budget. And there are places where there are funds that are, they have been taking, they have been through the proviso process. Yes. And so proviso is, again, as, as you've probably heard us say before, a proviso is a section of law that is put into the state budget. And so it has to be renewed every year if it's not made into permanent law. And this is sometimes where they'll test, they kind of test drive laws. Mm-hmm. For lack of a better way of phrasing it, they will do a trial of, let's see how this works. Let's try it for two or three years. We'll put it into a proviso in the state budget and let this stuff work its way out. If it's good, then we'll make it permanent. That is not an unusual process of things in South Carolina. We have traditionally and, and consistently put into the state budget year after year after year that funds are not going to be given to Planned Parenthood for contraceptive services. This actually makes it permanent within state law. Now, there's some people who are going to say, well, that's targeting. There's some constitutionality questions on that, but we'll let the court then decide on that one as well. And so we move forward. Again, all of this is under the lens of what happened back in, my goodness, can you believe it? All the way back in June, the overturning of Roe. June 24th really set off a lot of chain reactions of things to be going on when it comes to abortion laws. 16 states thus far have enacted or their trigger laws were actually enacting uh, abortion restrictions similar to what we're talking about with the Human Life Protection Act, this House Bill 5399. And so that has triggered a knee-jerk response at the federal level. Yes, it has. Such that it seems like Washington is going to try to do a great job of liberal democratic overreach. Yes, they are. And it starts with the president. The president was speaking again. We are recording this at around 1145 on Wednesday morning because news is always breaking. But here we just sprain it. Um, so these remarks were made. I feel like I'm hobbling now. Got to fit that in. Remarks were made by the president at a political event at the Howard Theater. The Howard Theater. This event was to a DNC audience. Big Democratic fundraisers. Huge. 
Democratic fundraisers, including, I guess, the young girls that were behind Joe as well, give a lot of money. Anyway, the point is, uh, not unlike, not I'm unlike, not going there. Not unlike, not unlike the young lady he told to uh, not have a serious boyfriend until she was thirty. Uh, was that before or after sniffing her hair? I did enjoy I seeing. The, I saw the video. I saw the video. I saw the. I think it was the dad standing next to the girl. Might have been a dad. Might have been a friend. Whatever it is. But I, what I most appreciated was whoever the political operative was in the background of the video, basically telling them not to video. The Secret Service agent. Was it? The Secret Service was established to prevent the president from harm, not from injuring himself in the public opinion. Self harm of public opinion. The president was speaking. He's speaking. At, a, at the Howard Theater, um, and you know we're only two day, twenty-two days away from the most consequential election in our history. The phones are ringing off the hook here at Palmetto Family. Important for you to know that. If you want to get in touch with us, you can do that. I'm going to speak through this phone call though, and continue reading what the president has to say. Twenty-two days away, Dave, from the most consequential election in our history. This is kind of like doing live television. Yeah, I mean it, it is. It, well, it's it is the, the boardroom. I'm sure you know what that might be. The Secret Service calling me. For. <laughs> you did. You did bring up what their job they is heard, to protect the president. They heard me. Okay. Um, on January twenty second, nineteen seventy three. I hate to admit this, but I was a freshman, a thirty year old freshman United States senator. This is Joe Biden speaking. You weren't yes. alive in seventy three. I was not. <laughs> I, I was, a, but I wasn't a twinkle in my father's eye because my father wasn't born yet. Uh, and the Supreme Court. Joe Biden's been in Washington longer than my father's been alive. And only a month longer than my mother's been alive. Issued its opinion on Roe v. Wade, establishing a fundamental constitutional right to choose. No, it didn't. No, it didn't. A Supreme Court ruling does not establish a constitutional right. Constitutional rights come from the Constitution. And in the Constitution, there is not a right to kill your child. Um, Nearly 50 years later, the court issued... The Dobbs decision. A woman. Mm-hmm. And all, all across the country, starting in my house, lost that fundamental right. <laughs> I'll leave that joke alone. <sighs> and then he decides he's going to want to use this mic if it's okay. Um, the best thing you can do is read the transcripts of this. So, <clears throat> you know, it's been four months since the Dobbs decision. Yes. But we're no longer we know we're we're no longer have to imagine the chaos and heartache it's causing. We're no longer have to think about that, Dave. <clears throat> I remember when I had presidents that could speak. <laughs> Today in America, listen to this. Listen, listen to this. Today in America there are women who have been turned away from emergency rooms while having miscarriages. Really? Name one. Losing wanted pregnancies and told they need to wait until they're sicker. Really? Before they get the care they need. Name one. There's so much confusion and uncertainty that doctors and nurses fear that they could face criminal charges just for doing their job responsibly. Really? Patients are being denied prescriptions they've been taking for years for conditions like rheumatoid arthritis and osteo... Osteoporosis, you know, because pharmacies are concerned that those drugs could also be used to terminate a pregnancy. Really? I, I will say. I'm just. I will say that before you take Sudafed, you might want to check. 
I'm just saying, for somebody who may want to have an issue with arthritis... That's not all. Yes. I've warned about how this decision risks the broader right to privacy for everyone. There's a thing called the Ninth Amendment. Look it up. Wait. What it is says it? there's a right to privacy. That's how it was interpreted back then. Joe would know that. He was there he was when there. the Constitution was ratified. So, so he was the, Ben Franklin's best friend. Ninth Amendment done at the ratification time period of the Constitution. So Every single... Okay, colony at that point did not recognize the right to an abortion. 1789, 90, you know, time frame. Okay, 1788, 1788, 1887. Yeah, okay. So, late 1780s. The number one issue on everyone's mind was how can I kill my child quickly? It it took almost 200 years for the Ninth Amendment interpretation to ruminate enough the penumbras to get to the point to where I guess it percolated to a strong enough coffee to find Joe Biden likes percolating the constitutional right of privacy in the yes. Ninth Amendment yes. which is not written in there right I just find it really interesting though that in that when the Supreme Court actually issued the Roe versus Wade decision this was a quote from then U.S. Senator Joe Biden, I don't like the Supreme Court decision on abortion. I think it went too far. I don't think that a woman has the sole right to say what should happen to her body. What happened, Joe? Quote Joe Biden right after the Roe versus Wade decision. Well, he was a freshman senator. He didn't know what he was talking about. He has learned... Dave and his time in the triangle that that it is more politically expedient if he goes along with the liberal left and progressives on this issue and not be a moderate free thinking good Roman Catholic. Uh, See, this is where in in 2007, Biden was given a zero percent score from the pro-life national right to life committee and a 75 percent score. By NARAL Pro-Choice America. Ooh, he said, like he's pro-choice. He said, I accept church rule personally, but not in public life. Yes, the Mario Cuomo thing. Yeah, and then on the 25th of April, 2019, in the run-up to the primaries, as he's mm-hmm. ramping up and this trying... He's ramping up to finish fifth in Iowa. Trying his best to get some level of traction... Finally, Joe, just like finding privacy 200 years later, like 50 years after saying, I think the Supreme Court went too far, he said this. Pro-abortion Joe Biden has now entered the race in 2022. He went so far as to actually then turn around and say that he believes in a woman's right to choose what she does with her own body, which is definitely not where he had been 50 years prior, but seasons change. And as he entered the winter of his life, I guess he lost sight of what he really believes in. He's losing sight now. Well, also in 2019, Joe Biden was also saying that. He was also saying TGJC. Thank God for Jim Clyburn. Uh, (laughs) So the president continued on. He says that they're going to restore Roe. Well, actually, the banner behind him said restore Roe. And I've said before, the court, I've said before, the court got Roe right nearly 50 years ago. Really? And I believe Congress should codify Roe once and for all. 
He probably didn't say it like that. I bet he probably, right now, he probably did shake it. Right him. now, we're short a handful of votes. If you care about the right to choose, then you got to vote. That's why in the midterm elections, it's so critical to elect more Democratic senators to the United States Senate and more Democrats to keep control of the House. And folks, if we do that, here's the promise I will make to you and the American people. The first bill that I will send to the Congress will be to codify Roe v. Wade. And when Congress passes it, I'll sign it in January, 50 years after Roe was first decided the law of the land. And together, we'll restore the right to choose for every woman in every Senate, every state in America. So vote. You got to get out the vote. We can do this if we vote. Vote, vote, vote. Vote, vote, vote. This is purely political. No one actually cares about abortion when it comes to the ballot. Abortion is ranking as probably the fourth or fifth option for people as to why they're voting in the midterm. You know what people care about? It's the, the economy. economy, stupid. Uh, I have to go there. Inflation is higher. The cost of your goods is more and more. Oh, but hey, guess what? It's okay because... Uh, Stacey Abrams has something to say for us there. Stacey Abrams tells you that abortion and inflation are irreparably linked, but you might not know why. She, the governor of Georgia, enlightens you. I just asked you, you're running for governor of Georgia. Uh, I would assume, maybe incorrectly, but while abortion is an issue, it nowhere reaches the level of interest of voters in terms of the cost of gas, Food, bread, milk, things like that. What can a governor, what could you do as governor to alleviate the concerns of Georgia voters about those livability, daily, hourly issues that they're confronted with? But let's be clear. Having children is why you're worried about your price for gas. It's why you're concerned about how much food costs. For women, this is not a reductive issue. You can't divorce being forced to carry an unwanted pregnancy from the economic realities of having a child. And so these are, it's important for us to have both and conversations. We don't have the luxury of reducing it or separating them out, but we also have to talk about what a governor can do. A governor can address housing prices. A governor can address the cost of education. A governor can put money into the pockets of everyday hardworking Georgians instead of giving tax cuts to the wealthy. That's what I talk about on the trail, and that's what's resonating. But let's not pretend that women, half the population, especially those of childbearing age, they understand that having a child is absolutely an economic issue. It is only politicians who see it as simply another cultural conversation. It is a real biological and economic imperative conversation that women need to have. Having children is why you're worried about it. You know what? I think one day we're going to realize that, you know what? Children are going to be a good source of food. Maybe they can heat our homes. Maybe they actually have jobs. I remember hearing this back in 2011 at the pro-life rally. Our friend Senator Kimbrell actually did this before. This was, golly, that was 11 years ago. Um, he was talking about the fact that an economist had said, if we had all of the people who had been aborted of working age in the workforce in America, we would not have the deficit and the debt that we have because that workforce would have been generating the taxes that need to be done. But since Roe versus Wade passed or was decided by the court, excuse me, um, and we have had a systematic killing of children to the tune of 60 million. Imagine 60 million people, that's 40 more million people in the workforce who are working, having jobs, paying taxes, doing what needs to be done to support our economy. 
we wouldn't be running into a $30 trillion debt. That debt is what is actually beginning to anchor a lot of the economic issues that we're talking about. Here's how it's starting to play itself out. New York Times poll that just came out just the other day. Likely voters. Again, New York Times, every demographic is showing a shift from Democrats to Republicans. Female independents favored Democrats by 14 points in December. Justin, they now favor Republicans by 18 points. And this is after Democrats have been pounding, pounding, pounding away on the abortion issue. Almost like they're pouncing. That is a 32-point swing. That is significant in looking at where voters are focusing their attention, and it is focusing on your wallet. And not abortion. Here's the last thing. He says he'll restore Roe. He'll codify Roe. The Women's Health Protection Act is probably the conduit of which they will do that right. in the House. The purpose of this act is to permit healthcare providers to provide abortion services without limitations or requirements that single out the provision of abortion services for restrictions that are more burdensome than those restrictions imposed on medically comparable procedures do not significantly advance reproductive health or the safety of abortion services and make abortion services more difficult to access. They are not going to codify Roe. If they were going to codify Roe, guess what? They could have done that 30 years ago. They are going to move the ball so far down the field, it will be abortion on demand across the country. That's what their bill says. That's what their bill says. It says it without limitations. So do not let political leaders lie to you. Don't let them do that. Don't let them get away with it either. Call them out on it. Make sure they know. And in fact, we told you about the 17 to 26 is what it actually was. Vote to recede on the Senate amendments yesterday. Here on your screen are the senators. How they voted and what they voted. A, I, or nay. You see it on your screen. Do you see your senator's name? Find out what your senator voted. How they voted. And let them know how you feel about it. I, I encourage you. Let them know. Why'd you, or, or email them. Ask them, why did you vote this way? Right. Explain your vote to me. You have that right as a constituent. We'll continue to track H5399 as it heads to conference committee, or as I like to call it, the politically cordial steel cage death match <laughs> inside the South Carolina State House, or actually it'll probably be inside one of the It's going to be inside the committee office, room somewhere. One of the, one of the committee rooms somewhere. When that happens, we'll let you know when it's going to happen, and we'll let you know what happens in the committee meeting. But well, we thank you for joining us for this edition of the podcast so we can break down what happened yesterday, what will happen in the future, and the federal lens of which we're viewing all of this through. It was a lot to get to all about life today because that's the most important thing. And so again... And then later this week, we're going to actually break down so that you can actually hear some of the discussion that went on in the Supreme Court case because... Oh, 100%. Oh. It's been great today. It's been a fun thing to watch. SCCourts.org is where you can view the recap of that whenever you're watching this, or if it's still going on, you can watch it live. But again, we thank you for tuning into this episode of the fastest-growing conservative podcast in the state of South Carolina, the Palmetto Family Matters podcast for Kevin Kyle and Mitch Crosser, Dave Wilson. I am Justin Hall. Thanks so much for watching, and we'll see you again next time.